I'm a good driver. I look for cars. I pay attention. I, I should have seen the little girl in the crosswalk. Please, look for pedestrians. Stop for them. Think of the impact you could make. A message from the Federal Highway Administration. Hello, son. I'm Dean Rubin from college. Here to invite you to join us this fall. Me? You've always wanted to go to... TalkZone.com Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And a very pleasant Monday morning to you. John Cohn, the coach, is out somewhere, as is Joel Rodwanski, Mark Carmen sitting in, and a whole lot to talk about on this Monday morning. And Lovey Smith says that football seasons are decided in November, and you can have a lot of problems with the Bears head coach, but you cannot dispute that he is spot on on that one. And the Bears, one and four in November, four and seven, and they are indeed hasta la bye bye. And it was hard to say back in call it August training camp that this was going to come down this way and the Bears were going to be out of it by the time December started. No playoffs. Lovey Smith's future in question. Jerry Angelo's future in question. And then it was really hard to see it coming at 3-1 and one when the entire city of Chicago thought, you know what? This is the year. This is it. The Chicago Bears with Jay Cutler are going to the playoffs, and maybe we're talking Super Bowl. I heard that all over the Chicagoland area, but now, not so much. Four and seven, and where do the Bears go from here? It should be really interesting. Not so much on the field the last five games. St. Louis, Green Bay at home at Baltimore, Minnesota, back at Soldiers, and then off to Detroit. Maybe the Bears win two. I think maybe they even win three games there. Could finish a, a robust seven and nine, possibly. I mean, betting man would say six and ten. But the off season for the Chicago Bears: no first round pick, no second round pick, no offensive line. Defense looks shady. Receivers need work. Is the running back of Matt Forte is he okay? A lot's. To, I mean, I assume he would stay put, and they would hope for a rebound year from him. But where do the Bears go? It's a problem. And I should have seen it coming. I wanted to say that. I, I fault myself. I should have seen it coming. I should have known this was going to be the deal. But I got clouded. I thought Jay Cutler was the answer. And you know what? On the opening drive yesterday, Cutler to Knox, and you think to yourself, wow, there he is. That's the guy the Bears traded for. That's the superstar. And then Cutler to Knox, and it's underthrown by two yards, picked off. And then you say, dude, you've thrown 20 interceptions. You're not a leader. You're a questionable guy in general, whether you're respected on the team, and now you're just, like, disgustingly bad at points. So that's uh, that's the Jay Cutler the Bears have. And I still maintain that he might possibly, you know, get some level of he is going to play at this level and we're going to be confident that we're going to get this from Jay Cutler someday. That day obviously needs to be surrounded by a 
a, a running attack. He needs a good receiver or two or three. And it would be even helpful if he had a good defense where he didn't have to be great every week. But we'll, uh, we'll delve into the Bears more as we go along. We're going to talk a whole lot of NFL today. We're going to talk my favorite, the NBA. Big move in the NBA. Mr. Lawrence Frank of the Owen 17 New Jersey Nets is no longer going to get into LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosch. We're going to talk Allen Iverson, hit on the Bulls a little bit. We're going to talk college football, which is exciting time of year. I want to go over the bowl picture. I want to know what you guys think about the SEC title game. Who's going to win that? Alabama, Florida. We're going to break that down a little bit. Adam Hogue, who knows more about college football than any man on the planet, will be joining us. But I do have a man on the line right now who knows more about the NFL then Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Lovey Smith, and whoever else combined. He spends more time watching NFL football, reading about NFL football, thinking about NFL football, and his ringtone on his phone is the Buffalo Bills song because he's from Buffalo and, you know, the Bills are basically his life. Matthew Timon, football genius, joining us this morning on Two Guys and a Mic on the TalkZone.com. Good morning, Matthew. Mark Carmen, it is great to be here. You, you have to do my eulogy at some day, hopefully many years in the future when I pass away. That was basically the greatest introduction that anyone could possibly have given me. Thanks. Well, well, everything about that was true. I mean, you are an NFL nut. You spend every Sunday surrounded by some weird food product, and you watch football all day long. Is that not true? Well, you know, it varies because it depends. Whether I'm home with my parents as I am now, then I've got the food product there because, you know, they buy it. But if I'm somewhere else, as you know, I'm notoriously cheap. So generally, I'll go out to a sports bar, kind of slink in the corner, try to avoid everybody, watch all the games, don't buy anything. It's a good look. Well, see, Matt, you're on a very powerful network right now, the TalkZone.com, two guys in a mic. You really want to sell it better than that. You want to say, when I'm in my penthouse, I order in and I've got three hookers around me. You don't want to throw the parents line out there. And you don't want to go slink down in the bar. Look, paint yourself, you know, sell the product, man. I'm trying to build you up and then you just slump right down like that. We don't need that on two guys in a mic. Big time. Radio is all about credibility, my friend. Everybody has to believe that I'm telling the truth. If I said penthouse, you know, I don't know if everybody's going to listen to my NFL opinions in a couple of minutes. Matt Timon. Here's the honest take. Everybody will believe me. It's great. Trust me. Matt Timon joining us in his penthouse from Midtown Manhattan. All right, let's talk about tonight's game first off. I want to hit on New England and the Saints. New Orleans 10-0. and Brady versus Breeze. Who do you got tonight? Uh, you know, I think you might already know, and some fans out there won't be surprised. I am a Bills fan. I despise the New England Patriots. I loved ha- everyone panning Bill Belichick after the faded fourth and two call a couple of weeks ago in the Sunday night game against the Colts. But I'll tell you, I still can't pick against this team in a big game, even though they blew that one. The Saints, like the Colts, have seemed somewhat due for a loss. Yes, they ended up blowing out the Bucks last week, but they got out to an early deficit, and the Bucks got out to the lead. The Patriots, until they're dead, are still the team that I feel like is maybe the most dangerous in the NFL on any given week. Even though the game's in New Orleans, I would expect the Patriots to win. I'll be rooting hard for the Saints. They remain a great story. Should be a good game. The Saints are for real. I don't mean to imply that they're going to get blown out. But I think New England is really out for blood after that game a couple of weeks ago. So does that mean that your all-time favorite loss was 2007 when the Patriots finished up the year 16-0, and went to the Super Bowl? Everybody thought they would cruise past the Giants, and they came up short 17-14. Was that like your greatest Super Bowl loss ever, Matt? That was my greatest Super Bowl ever, absolutely. And that's kind of sad because the Bills were in four Super Bowls. Those didn't work out. Don't really want to get into the details. But that was, a great, that was really a great day. <laughs> 
Never expected the Giants to pull that one off. The other great loss in the NFL history was also a Patriots loss. That Colts comeback, 21-3. to Colts comeback, winning the AFC Championship against the Patriots, go on to win the Super Bowl. That one had the added benefit. See, my dad is a big Colts fan, so I really enjoyed that one. But those would be 1A and 1B. Anytime the Patriots lose, it's a good thing. Hitting on the family lineage here with uh, Matt Tymon. Now, Matthew, you just said that the Saints are going to lose tonight, so you obviously don't think they're going to go 16-0. and What do you think about the Colts' chances at 11-0? and Well, you know, the Colts and the Saints, both very similar teams. Great offenses, great quarterbacks, pretty good offensive coaching staff, but they've both been in a lot of close games. I was shocked when the Patriots finished 16-0 a few years ago. As much as I don't like that team, I do respect what they were able to accomplish. I don't think either one of these teams is going to finish undefeated. The Colts now five straight fourth-quarter comebacks to win games. I think that's a record. It certainly speaks to their character and how great Peyton Manning is, but I'm not sure they can pull that off for the rest of the season. Still only five more games. It's not impossible. Now, you're a man that can see the future, one of the most intelligent people in all of football. Vince Young was left for dead. The Titans 0-6. Then out of nowhere, they say, you know what? We're starting Vince. We're going to try to make something of this season. Five straight wins, a thriller yesterday. They beat the Cardinals 20-17. to Young, unbelievable in the final drive. This guy was incredible at Texas, and I was down in Austin when he was there, and I thought he was going to jump into the NFL scene and have instant success. That didn't happen, but were you a guy that ruled Vince Young out forever coming back from the dead, or did you think that if he got the chance, he could do what he's doing? Now, remember my honesty, right? Yep. Okay, well, no. I'm going to have to do again. I didn't really see this coming. I don't know that I necessarily thought Vince Young's career was over, because he was the offensive rookie of the year. Certainly, there's some promise there, but there's no way I don't think anyone expected this this season. I mean, for the Titans to win five straight now and for him to be playing as well as he has, especially yesterday. I mean, in other weeks, I watched the Titans beat the Bills. I watched them beat the Texans. They got by on defense, and Vince Young made some plays but wasn't throwing for 387 yards like I think he did yesterday. He really seems to be progressing. At the same time, I think people need to calm down a little bit. He's been phenomenal. Great. Go ahead. You know, praise him, but I don't know that we can necessarily say he's fully turned the corner given where he was just a couple of months ago. Things can change, as you well know, in the sports world in the blink of an eye. So we'll see how it goes, but kudos to Vince Young, and the guy certainly does seem to be a winner. I'll maybe pose this question to you. Yesterday, Tony Dungy on the Sunday Night Football coverage compared him to Tim Tebow. He said he wasn't surprised at all that Vince Young's been so successful because, quote, winners win. Tebow, a winner. I don't know how he's going to do in the NFL. He doesn't really have the same kind of a skill set that Vince Young does, but I'm wondering if you think that's a valid comparison. I don't like that comparison at all. I think Vince Young is just a completely... I mean, they're both mobile, but Vince is just a bigger guy. And Tebow, I just... I don't know if he, he his body type translates as well to the NFL game. Do you agree with that? That's my only take on it. I think yeah, that Tim no, Tebow just doesn't have the arm strength, and I don't know if he's big enough to sustain. He's not going to be a running quarterback in the NFL. I'd love to see Tim Tebow have success. But, no, I, I agree with your take. He doesn't really seem like he can play quarterback from what I can tell. And, you know, what does anyone know? Who knows how anyone's going to turn out when they jump from college to the pros? It is certainly somewhat of a crapshoot. And I hope he finishes out, his, finishes out his college career with a couple of wins. I hope he finds himself an NFL career. But I tend to agree. He doesn't have the raw athleticism of someone like Vince Young and probably isn't the same kind of a pocket passer that Young is either. Now, you touched on the Bills numerous times, so I'll ask you a question about them just to make you happy. Right. 
Terrell Owens, five catches, 96 yards yesterday. Before the, Earlier in the season, he was going to get dumped. Who's going to pick up T.O.? Now he's still with Buffalo. He's having a big game. He's speaking out about how he wants the offense opened up for the Buffalo Bills. Are you with T.O.? Something you have to understand about me is that if you go out there and you produce for the Bills, you can do anything you want off the field. doesn't matter. I'll support you. Now, lately, T.O. has produced, so yes, I'm with him. Now, I, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to tell you he's the greatest guy that's ever been in the NFL. I'm not going to tell you he's still an elite receiver. I don't believe that. But one other point I want to make right about T.O., as well as the other Bills receivers, you have to understand, Buffalo is kind of a quagmire for offense. So when you evaluate Terrell Owens' stats or, or Lee Evans' stats, you have to understand that there's no offensive line. There's hardly any quarterback at any given time. It's very difficult to get stats for a wide receiver. And so when T.O. is a free agent at the end of the year, say the Bears are looking to pick him up, don't just look at the stats and say, well, this guy can't produce anymore. You have to look at it in context. So, yes, I am with T.O. For one thing, he has gone out there. He's played every game. He's still looking to produce, whether that's for his contract at the end of the year. I don't know, but he hasn't really caused a big blow-up. The Bills are 4-7, and seven, but he's not the reason they've been losing. Matt Timon, football genius, joining us on Two Guys and a Mic on the TalkZone.com. All right, I'm going to let you weigh in on the Chicago Bears. And did you see the 4-7 and seven debacle coming? And what do you think, or what did you think before Jay Cutler got to the Bears? What do you think of him now? Is it the same? Please uh, break it down for me. I need to know your thoughts on Jay Cutler. I'm fascinated. Cutler is very, he, he's a fascinating character. I mean, you should be fascinated by Jay Cutler. Unfortunately, if you're a Bears fan, maybe not in such a positive way. He's an interesting guy. He's very talented. He's never won a lot of games. and You can make excuses for him. I watched that Bears-Vikings game yesterday on Fox, and Joe Buck was making all kinds of excuses for him, saying, well, you know, the Bears don't have a defense. Okay, maybe true. Don't have receivers. Fine, true all these excuses, but he keeps throwing it to the guys in the other jersey, and, and if I were a Bears fan, I would be losing patience with him. Now, at the same time, you kind of have to stick with him. I think you can't just give up on him yet, partway through his first season, but I would definitely be worried. I didn't necessarily see 4-7 and seven coming, but I did think the Bears were behind the Packers as well as the Vikings in that division, two teams that seem further along in terms of talent. So, no, I wouldn't give up on Jay Cutler, but he certainly is kind of providing himself with a short leash. He's got a little bit of an attitude. Even if he doesn't have the talent around him, it's not as if he's going out there and kind of giving it his all in terms of production. He's still throwing a lot of picks, and some of those can be the receiver's fault, but at a certain point you have to wonder. So, as of now, it seems like the Broncos made out better in that trade, certainly. Last one for you, Matthew and Matt Timon. We always appreciate your time on Two Guys and a Mic. Who wins the Super Bowl? Oh, that's a great question. i got to say, now remember, I preached honesty before, so now everyone will believe me. This is very true. Before the year, I even sent you an email with this. Probably didn't check it. You're a very busy guy. Absolutely. Before the year, I picked, I picked Colts over Saints in the Super Bowl. Now, I have to say that's pretty impressive. These two teams still undefeated. That was my preseason Super Bowl pick. You know, I'm going to tell myself a little bit with that one. But at the same time, you don't know how these things are going to work out. I came up with it yesterday, and... I'm going to stick with that Colts over Saints pick, all right, because I made it preseason, so that's my official answer, Colts over Saints. But if you give me a B answer as of what I've seen in the season right now, how teams are playing, kind of liking the Vikings, I have to say. If we had more time, we could talk about Brett Favre for 30 minutes. But that team is very impressive. So from what I've seen, 
It would be the Vikings. Official selection, the Colts. That's what I picked before of the year. I'll stick with it. Matt, time and hedging every which way. We do appreciate it. And, uh, that is your, you're a great man, Matthew. We, we look forward to seeing you uh, alongside the set of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman someday. We know that's going to happen. Great man. More accurately describes you than me, my friend. <laughs> thank, thank you, Matthew. Have a great day, yeah. brother. And don't forget to tune into the talkzone.com. Two guys and a mic. We love you. Yep, I'm going back to sleep. Thanks a lot. Good night. There he goes. Matt Time and football genius. It's college football next. Adam Hogue, who knows more about the Big Ten landscape, the SEC's landscape, every landscape in college football will preview the SEC title game. Who do you like? Florida, Alabama, from Atlanta. Should be a good one. This is Two Guys in a Mic on the TuckZone.com. TalkZone.com did that on Wednesday, did it again today, I'll do it again the next time I'm in here. It's hard to learn all these things. Two guys in a mic, the coach came up with that creative name for the show, and then the TalkZone.com. I mean, it's two separate things. doesn't seem difficult, but it's a little more challenging than you think out there. 888-463-6748 is the phone number, and we're here until 11 o'clock talking whole lot of football today. We just did the NFL with football genius Matt Timon. We're going to talk college football with Adam Hogue. We're also going to talk with Jordan Burnfield of Burning on Sports, who uh, knows more about... The, first of all, Jordan is an up-and-coming broadcaster. He does play-by-play for the UIC Flames. He's a Syracuse grad right out of WAER. Just a, a man who's learned more about broadcasting and generally teaches me about the art of broadcasting on a daily basis. Jordan, a guy who sat right next to a, a Marv Albert. He's been next to uh, 
eye and eagle. He's done everything with every Syracuse guy on the planet, and I believe he is on the line right now. Jordan, are you with us? I am, and uh, I think that the way you build me right there, I'd be in one of those who-doesn't-belong categories. No, If I'm sitting in a, <laughs> at a table next to Marv Albert and Ian Eagle, everyone's probably going, who's that guy? Well, it's what I tell you every day, Jordan, that is, it is only a matter of time for you, and as I look at myself, it's only a matter of time before you know I go back to construction work. But you, on the other hand, it's, it's only a matter of time until... You uh, hit the big time, and we see you on the on the big tube, and you're just you're you're honing your craft in the background. You're you're waiting for your opportunity, and we all know it's going to come. And I like introducing you uh, to the two guys in a mic. I know you host this show as well, but it's a little different being a guest. So do you feel more pressure from the guest seat or from the hosting seat? I think I probably feel more pressure from the guest seat because when I'm with the coach, you know, I can just kind of come in there and react to whatever he has, and probably disagree with him more often than not. But as a guest, I got to provide the content here, so I'm I'm very interested to see what you're going to ask me. And by the way, yes, the construction look for you. Uh, what do you I mean, think? You, you are a fairly brawny guy. I think it could be okay. Well, I, you know, anything's possible at this point, and my career has gone in different directions at different times. So I think that maybe <laughs> you know you could go construction. All right, I'm going to start with the Bears since you're such a diehard Chicago fan, and you got Lance Briggs with a mild left knee sprain. You've got uh, a Peanut Tillman with a concussion. You've got issues every which way. You got Orlando Pace with a groin strain, which I don't know how you actually get a groin strain when you don't block anyone. No offense to Orlando, he's had a great career, but he's obviously past it now. Uh, what, number one, are you going to watch the final five Bears games? Um, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I think I will because I'm I have the sickness of being a Bears fan, and I think I can't really turn away. It's sort of like when you see that train wreck, you kind of you know have to keep watching. Um, but you know, it's just. Like you mentioned, it's a complete disaster. I mean, I think that really, when you think about it, this season has been the worst-case scenario possible for the Bears because you came in, I, I heard you at the open of the show talking about you know, how there were Super Bowl aspirations there were. in Chicago, and there were. But the problem now is that you know, not only have the team, has the team really underperformed and been terrible, they've exposed the fact that They have a ton of weaknesses that probably can't be rectified. And the worst part about it is that Jay Cutler has been terrible. I think that had Jay Cutler gotten hurt and they were 4-7, and you have the built-in excuse. You still have the optimism. You know what? We lost Cutler, but next year we'll have him and we'll be fine. This is just a year where we have to stomach Caleb Haney under center. But I think with the fact that Cutler's been healthy, he's played in every game, and he's turned the ball over more times than anyone else in the NFL, I don't think you could have written a worse script for this team. The one positive I'll give Jay Cutler, and by the way, 888-463-6748, 888-GO-FOR-IT, the phone number, he has taken a beating and he's gotten up every time. He is He's shown a little toughness, so obviously his play on the field, 20 interceptions, not stellar, but at least he's proven that he, he's not a wimp out there. And, and look, if, if you ever actually got an offensive line around him, he might be able to to do something. By the way, the phone line's ringing off the hook here. Jordan, will you take phone calls? I, will, I can take some phone calls. Let's take some phone calls. We got Tim out there in, in uh, Hawkeye football, and what's up, Tim? Hey, how are you? Say hello to Jordan uh, Burnfield. Jordan Burnfield, how are you? Well, I'm, a, I'm a, in Minneapolis and, and watched the game yesterday and, and thought that the outcome would be uh, a Vikings victory, but I, I did not count on the, the Bears looking so awful. Twelve net yards in the second half. That's Two. Tough. Two net Two. yards in the second half, I think. Oh, um, but, no, you know what, Tim, I, I 
to be honest with you, I'm not sure why you didn't think that they were going to be worse because I honestly thought that this could be the, the score of the game, I thought, would have been even more lopsided than it was. I think the Vikings are the best team in the NFL. I know that New Orleans is 10-0 pending whatever happens tonight, and I know that Indianapolis just went to 11-0 coming back from 17 down against Houston on the road yesterday, but I think that the Vikings have by far the best team in the league. The both lines... They have the MVP at quarterback. They have the best running back in football. They have multiple weapons on their receiving core, and their defense is just its – I honestly thought that the Bears were going to do even worse if it's possible. Tim, you're a huge Iowa football fan. I'm researching you on the website right now. We do everything with our callers. We find out about them. You uh, saw this Hawkeye team very close to going undefeated. Northwestern came into Kinnick Stadium and beat them. You probably puked all over yourself. And then the nauseating loss at Ohio State where Iowa came awful close to knocking off the Buckeyes. Number one, where do you see the uh, Hawkeyes going bowling? And as an Iowa fan, do you feel like this this, this season, thank you very much, has been a success? Well, I think you have to. Uh, I think any Hawkeye fan that would tell you right now that they wouldn't have taken ten and two back in August um, is uh, is fooling themselves and you. I think you've got to be happy with ten and two, considering that uh, you lose Jewel Hampton in camp, um, and you, you know, and you've lost Sean Green to the draft, and and you just continue to have troubles keeping guys healthy at the running back slot and you feature uh, a kid that uh, basically walked on at Iowa Adam Robinson eventually did get a scholarship but he was a, a late offer and, and did very well um, so I think yeah I'm, I'm thrilled with 10 and 2 I think uh, everything that I'm hearing is it looks like probably a BCS bid probably the Fiesta Bowl probably playing uh, Boise State which I think will be an interesting challenge not only for the Hawkeyes but also for uh, Boise State. I think Boise State likes to sort of fling it around the field and get their offense on the field and off the field quickly and score, and I think Iowa's going to give them some problems. Uh, so I think it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, we did not have Rick Stanzi at the end of the year, uh, and he's going to be you know, healthy for the bowl game, so how quickly does he uh, sort of get fresh again and get sharp and Will he have rust? It, it's it's an unknown, and it, it's a team uh, all year. You just really never knew what you were going to get. You barely escape at home against UNI, and then you take uh, Ohio State into overtime at the shoe. So I, I don't know, Mark. It's been it's been a wild year. It's been a fun year, and to me, the Hawkeye um, season this year really epitomizes why I love college football because it's, it's purely um, unpredictable. Two guys in a mic, the only show where we interview the callers. Jordan, you got anything for Tim? You know, uh, Tim, what I was wondering is, do you think if if Iowa were to lose to Boise State, would it cheapen the season at all for you? I know that as a Hawkeye fan, you got to be thrilled that they went 10-2, and two, and I can get with that, but Boise State, as good as they've been over the last few years, kind of that who-knows team out of a small conference in the Mountain West, would you be upset by a loss to Boise State, not only for the fact that your team didn't win the BCS game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I've got to choke back tears when uh, whenever Iowa loses, and I'm 36 years old, so it'd be <laughs> a major disappointment for me. I don't know. I, I you know, I, I think um, 
I think Boise State's kind of a, a lot of folks sort of they're sort of everybody's darling as sort of this uh, unstoppable offensive juggernaut. I, I look for Iowa to give them a lot of problems and slap them around, frankly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd be massively disappointed if we lost, and particularly if we lost in ugly fashion. You know, I I'm not one for moral victories, but uh, boy, the loss to Northwestern felt very, very different than the loss to Ohio State. And I think if you can hang and, and score and, and look good uh, and you lose a close game to Boise State, that's one thing. But if you come out and sort of look lousy and, and can't seem to solve their offense, then, then I'd be very disappointed. Absolutely. Tim, you the man. Appreciate you uh, calling. And you got anything for Jordan and Mark, or, or are you done? I'm done. Uh, thanks for the <laughs> thanks for the phone call. Uh, and I, I agree on the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know. I you, I'm, I grew up a Bears fan. Um, so and I, I'm just not one to jump on a bandwagon. But I live here now, and uh, the Vikings faithful have been hungry for this kind of a season. And um, so obviously the, the the entire community is tickled and excited. Um, but we'll see. You know, I think. Three interceptions so far this year for Brett Favre. You got to think that somewhere out there is that classic Favre game where he uh, makes some poor decisions with the football, and I'm just hopeful that it doesn't happen in the playoffs and cost him really a special season. But we'll see. Tim Ports, huge fan of two guys and a mic. Thanks for calling in, brother. You bet. Jordan, one last thing for you. Uh, and Glenn Kozlowski, Chicago Bears, going to join us in a, in a couple minutes here. Talk some Bears football as we get further into it. Jordan, as you uh, look at the football landscape of the NFL, you want to go out on a limb, and, and Matt Timon said that he doesn't think Indianapolis is going undefeated. I think they are. What do you think? You know, it's sort of like they kind of remind me of Iowa a little bit, Carmen, because the last few weeks, Indy has not looked good in a bunch of games, but they've just found ways to get it done. I mean, this is a team in Indy that was losing in the fourth quarter yesterday, and all of a sudden... They storm back, tie the game, get a defensive touchdown, and then put up another one, and all of a sudden they win the game. Um, I think they ended up winning by seven or eight points, but they were up by two touchdowns late in the fourth after that huge turnaround. So I think you're, you're, you're probably right, Matt's probably right, that they're probably not going to go undefeated. I don't think the Colts care about that. You know, I don't think that this is something that they're looking to do. They just want to win the Super Bowl. I mean, this is a team that usually is really good, usually has a great record and has flirted with this sort of thing before. To be honest with you, I think that if there is a team that that really cares about that 16-0 and thing, it's the Saints. And I think that because they are not a team that has been the gold standard of the NFL, they're not a team that has been looked at as one of the elite. And even though they're 11-0, and I sort of feel like, or 10-0, and I feel like people are still trying to warm up to them as being an elite football teams, so I feel like from here on out, it's more for them to try to prove that they belong at the top with the New Englands and the, the Indianapolises and the teams like that. So I would say that probably Indy does not finish 16-0, and but I think that even though I'm probably not sold on New Orleans doing it, I think they have a better chance of doing it just because... I think they want it more than Indianapolis does. Yeah, for a 10 and 0 team hosting a game tonight against a 7 and 4 New England squad, or correct me, I think I've got the record right there. Either way, they're getting zero respect. No one thinks the Saints are going to win tonight. And uh, you know what? Drew Brees is having a hell of a year. So I I'm going with the Saints tonight, brother. They're going to they're going to shock New England. There's they're I think they're going to feel the disrespect all over the place. They're going to play big in front of Houdat's crowd. Yeah, so am I. And I think that it's really hard to win there in New Orleans. It's a big party. 
I think it's one of the most underrated home field advantages in the NFL. And I think that if this game was being played in New England and snowy Foxborough, then I would probably lean towards the Patriots because that's their environment. But I think in New Orleans, you got to like the Saints because I think that this game is probably going to be one of those back-and-forth, higher-octane offensive games. And I think that when it comes down to a game like that in the NFL, that home field advantage usually can provide that little spark that the home team needs to to eke it out. And even though they're only, I think they're point-and-a-half favorites, uh, the Saints, I would pick them to win. I think that they're going to win tonight, too. Jordan Burnfield, burning on sports professional broadcaster. You're going to see him on NBC, ABC, or CBS sometime soon. I'm going to put in the next three years. When are you hosting the show next? I'm on tomorrow. Okay, well then you'll you'll be rolling it tomorrow. We look forward to hearing you, Jordan. Thanks a lot, brother. All right, you're a tough act to follow. You know that? Oh, I'm 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 sure. <laughs> All right, see you, Mark. Take care, Jordan. All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. We're going to continue with Bears talk. Glenn Kozlowski coming up in just a minute. Koz, the the former Chicago Bear number eighty eight, will join us on Two Guys and a Mic on thetalkzone.com. Mark Carmen with you on Two Guys and a Mic on thetalkzone.com. Talking a whole bunch of football today, and we are pleased to bring in a football expert, good old number 88, a man who knows more about the Chicago Bears than Lovey Smith, Jerry Angelo, Devin Hester, and whoever else combined. Glenn Kozlowski, the Cosman, taking a second out of his day to join us. Kozler, I appreciate it. Good to have you. It's nice being here, Mark, and I, I, you know, you wrote, you read it just like I wrote it, so uh, that's very good. And I have been improving my reading skills, so uh, it's it's coming through here. I, pre- I appreciate. Yeah, I tried to write it like a third grader, and I apparently uh, you tagged it, so I had a way, had a boy. No, I've listened to you all season long, and you're a guy who's been on both sides of the Jay Cutler fence. I think you should probably have a a knife right down the middle of your body. You flipped on both sides of it so many times. You like no, cut? I, I, I haven't. Flipped on Jay Cutler. I've, I, from the day that they brought him in, I've said that this wasn't a good move. Um, what I'm, what you're seeing right now is what I saw when he was playing for the Denver Broncos. So you're, uh, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Back. You're saying it wasn't a good move. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have done the trade. Here's the thing about it. I didn't personally like Jay Cutler as the franchise quarterback. I think he's a young talent with a lot of upside, but he hadn't done anything yet. Right. So, 
What I liked about the trade was the fact that the Bears are being proactive. They actually went out and got a, a, a quarterback that had the potential to be a, uh, a franchise quarterback. I wasn't necessarily thrilled about Jay Cutler, but I was thrilled about the fact that the Bears had the uh, kahunas to go and, and, and make that move because they'd been uh, going through quarterbacks like you go through underwear. <laughs> very, very accurate. Now let me ask you this. You get a good receiver with, with Cutler. You maybe even get two good receivers. You get a stud offensive line. Let's just say you put Jay Cutler on the Minnesota Vikings right now. What do you think the Vikings record would be? You know, with all the picks that he threw in the red zone, it'd be a little bit better than what the Bears are. See, the problem for Cutler right now is he's, he's throwing the ball away and he's lost confidence in the red zone. I, I you know, I, he needs a sports psychologist to try and work through this, but it, uh, it's a problem. I think one of the things, too, is that when he was in Denver, he had Mike Shanahan, and, and Shanahan had that reputation, and and really he demanded the respect from Cutler, and, and I, I'm not sure that he's quite respecting the quarterback's coach right now on the Bears, so he's making mistakes that maybe he wouldn't have made a year ago or two years ago. What do you think his relationship is with Ron Turner, offensive coordinator, uh, guru? You know, I, I don't. I don't think it's a bad relationship. I, I, I think the problem is there's a couple things happening. Number one, they're always playing from behind, mm-hmm. and so when you have to when you have to throw the ball, and you have a older aging offensive line that does have some weaknesses, they're, they're they just become glaring weaknesses because the defense knows you got to throw the ball to catch up. You know they've never been able, even in the Minnesota game when they did run the ball, they they ran it pretty good on the edges they just were always chasing from behind so they're they're trying to catch up they have to chuck the ball around and eventually you're going to uh you're going to be exposed for whatever weakness you have up front you mentioned the offensive line what would you do there would you move chris williams to left tackle uh you know i i don't know if he's uh i, I thought orlando pace did a nice job against allen when okay. he was in there you know, he, he hurt himself i mean allen didn't have a sack until pace got hurt eventually you you drafted him in the first round he has to become your left tackle at some point otherwise you know he's really is isn't that kind of a wasted first round pick if he can't play left tackle for you well i mean if he's great on the right side i'm not saying he is but if he was then it's not a complete waste but that's certainly not what you're hoping for right i mean when he was brought in when they drafted him was he not brought in to play left tackle 150 percent, no question right so you know he he has to, by no means am I saying he's a bust. He's a serviceable player. He's, he's a good player right now, but he has to become, see, to win in the NFL now, you need a left tackle, you need a rush in, you need a shutdown corner, you need a quarterback, you need either a, a, a big-time wide receiver or running back, and those are the five things that you have to have in order to, to, to be a championship team in the NFL. Bears have one, have one, maybe, a half in the quarterback right now. Now, who's your biggest disappointment? I mean, who would you like just to pick up and body slam and say, you know what, get out of town on the team? And I know you're not a guy that would do that uh, maybe in this day, back in the day, a little more uh, a little more feisty cause, if you will. Well, it would probably be Mark Carmen. But <laughs> after that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's anybody that is – I would just like to see Jay Cutler play a little more fundamentally sound. And I'm, I'm talking about his feet and – and his reads and just making a read and identifying the defense and throwing the ball and having the, uh, the moxie to throw it in there sometimes and, and take the, 
you know, sometimes you got to take chances. He, he he looks so afraid now in the red zone that when he does throw it, it's always bad. And, uh, you know, as much as that doesn't make sense, it, it does make sense. You have got to be fearless in the red zone, and that's usually how you complete passes. Because you're a guy who coaches as well, and Jay Cutler throws a pick, his head goes down, he walks over to the sidelines, and there's nobody there. Lovey Smith's not talking to him, receivers coach, quarterback coach, any of his players, nobody says a word to him. Is that good coaching, or are you supposed to be over there? I know this is the NFL and he's a professional, but if you're Lovey, are you not over there trying to boost him up? Because they've made their bed with this guy. He has to perform for them to, be, to do well. Yeah, I, you know, I, you got to keep in mind, too, Color has medical issues that he has to deal with between every series also. And so that becomes an issue. I, I You know, I... I have you watched every second of it on the sideline? Because I know I haven't. I, I gotta believe a coach goes over and talks to him. I gotta believe that somebody walks over and puts their arm around him and say, "Hey, here's what's going on. Here's what we gotta do." If not, then if that is happening, like you're saying, then you know that's poor coaching. No question about it. I mean, I can't go out if you're gonna put me in the corner of Have you watched every second? I'm gonna. Well, fall- that's what I'm saying. You know, I mean, here's the thing about Jay Cutler, and, and people got to remember this: he's a diabetic. So when he comes to the sideline between every series, they're doing tests on him. So I, I got to think that there's got to be a system in place where they do this and they get that done, and then you know the coach will come up and talk to him. Um, I, I would guess that's, right. that's me just guessing. I, I I would be shocked. Listen, Lovey Smith knows how to coach. You think that's so? Not the issue. It, it's it's not like all of a sudden he's forgotten how to coach in the NFL. Um, what I'm seeing out there though right now is I'm seeing players just not. They're not, they don't look like they're trying hard. And that is, that does come back to the coach a little bit. And so at some point, you, you gotta play better. I, I, you know, they've been banged up on defense. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, Lance Briggs going out yesterday, Peanut Tillman. I mean, you know, roll your eyes and say whatever you want, but these are, these are starters. And when you start building up a, a stable of injured starters, you're in trouble in the NFL. Okay, Virginia McCaskey calls you up today and says, Glenn, we want to make you, we're getting rid of Ted Phillips, we're going to make you the president. Would you, A, keep Jerry Angelo, B, keep Lovey Smith, or C, you know, what would be the first thing you would do with the football team? Well, the first thing I would do is I would evaluate everybody okay. from top to bottom. Okay. I wouldn't, you know, I, I when you're not there every day, you don't get to see everything that's going on. I would say this, the personnel on the field, that's Jerry Angelo. Um, that's his responsibility. As far as making the players better, that's the coach's responsibility. As far as the players making themselves, you know, that, that falls on their heads and, and how they play. So I would evaluate all three of those factors first and foremost before you just go in and start uh, <laughs> whacking away at drilling everybody. I think you got to look at that, analyze it, and then you make a decision based off of what you're seeing. I mean, there's there's problems. There's you could spray the DNA is everywhere. You could blame everybody to a certain degree when you have a season like this, but you, you, you've got to figure out. You know, number one, do you have the right personnel? Number two, are they underachieving or overachieving? Are they not living up to expectations? Now that becomes a coaching issue, and I, I'm not sure that I can truly identify i I think it's a combination of all three they're three and one did you see this coming at all 
or even before the season, how did you think they would do? Well, I, I think I had, uh, well, I went on record for sure as saying seven and nine at best. Wow. And so I, I just was not a big fan of Jay Cutler. And, and not because he doesn't have the talent. He has all kinds of talent. It was just the fact that I was, I grew up in San Diego, so I'm a Charger fan. And the Chargers are to the Broncos what the, the Bears and Packers are in rivalry games. So I saw all four of the games that Cutler was under center. And he, he's one in three against the, uh, the Chargers. And the one win came with, uh, when, uh, you know, Guns Hockley blew the call. So for all intents and purposes, he was own four. Would the Bear, would Bear fans accept that from their franchise quarterback? I love Guns Hockley. Hey, Kaz, last one for you. Brett Favre, you rooting for... Why do you love him, by the way? Because any guy... He just makes it all about himself in these games. That's exactly the point. I'm all about me. I appreciate a guy who just has that big of an ego, wants to, uh, you know, puff out the chest, be in the gym all day. If I had one play left, it would be to tackle Hockley. How do you like that? (laughs) Would you just want to, to do take, that? Just to take guns down. I'd take guns down once and say, how does it feel? Do you really think you could play at the NFL? No, actually, he's, he's a good referee. I, he's the only one that has the courage to actually say he did something wrong. That's true. And why, if you did hit hockey, do you want to hit him from behind or straight on? Oh, I'd take him straight on. <laughs> straight up. Guns against the, the psycho. That's what it would be. <laughs> I would love to see it. So would a lot of other people. Are you rooting for Brett Favre? Do you want to see the Vikings uh, take the Super Bowl? I, you know, I I, um, I went from absolutely laughing at Brett Favre when he was a young player. And uh, at, at, the end of my, at, at the end of my career, I can remember our defensive backs just talking about patting their Pro Bowl stats and Favre was going to put them in the Pro Bowl to hating him. And now I'm at the uh, the point where I just say, boy, I got to witness the best quarterback to ever play the game. And so, yeah, it, it's it's easy to find myself rooting for Brett Favre. So you've it gone really is. you've gone full circle. You're a Favre fan. You almost want to give yeah. the guy a hug. I would give him a hug. I, I just, you know what? There's something about watching a guy with a gray beard like I have. It, it's it's see him still slinging the ball all over the place and the enthusiasm that he plays with and. You know, he's been a great, if you just listen to his sideline banner with the young players, I mean, this guy has done everything you're supposed to do as a veteran player, and he's lifted this team up. Now, granted, it does make it a lot easier when you have the best running back in the game, you have those huge interior linemen, and then you have a rush defensive end. You got the shutdown corner in Winfield, who I believe is back and playing again, and, you know, he's got these tall, fast wideouts, so... He's got the whole package around him. I mean, it's this is the this is the I think it's the best team in the NFL right now. Last one for you. Give me a Super Bowl prediction. Who do you like? I think the Colts will go undefeated. I'm with and you. They will, and they will lose to the Vikings. Wow. In the Super Bowl. That'd be great. That would be such great theater. A little little Peyton Manning, a little Brett Favre, a little Sunday. Oh, it would be it would be incredible, and it would be just another team that makes a run for perfection. Although I can see the Colts the last couple of weeks kind of cashing it in and not caring and just resting players. So I'm not sure that the Colts care about going undefeated as much as they really want to go to the Super Bowl. So they could lose over the next couple of weeks once they lock up home field advantage. I lied. I got one more for you. Who do you got tonight, Saints-Patriots? Boy, I you know, I, I think the Patriots probably win this game. The Saints have... Well, but you know, you say that, but the Saints have been a lot like the Colts. They just find ways to win, and they they come back even when they don't play well. But I'll, I'll take the Patriots tonight.
Cosman, I appreciate the time. I know you're a busy man. You are the Always best. Always time for you, Mark Carmen. You, <laughs> thanks, Gosser. I appreciate it. <laughs> right, you got it. I'll see you. Enjoy your day. Glenn Kozlowski, the Chicago Bear great. Eight strong years laid it on the line every Sunday for the faithful. We appreciate him joining on Talking Some Football. And we're not even going to take a break because I can't keep this man holding anymore. We're swinging right over to college football. And Adam Hogue, you got to appreciate me just sliding Kaz along to get you in there, my friend. We love you. Yeah, I uh, really appreciate following up uh, one of the Bears greats. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's a lot of pressure for you, but I think you can handle it. And you know more about college football than anybody out there. And it's it's a uh, it's an interesting time here. Your Wisconsin Badgers have Hawaii left. Do you? Uh, where, first of all, let's talk about Notre Dame. Let's talk about Charlie Weiss. And you do expect him to be out the door? Oh yeah, I'm I'm still expecting this to happen some point today. Actually, I Monday's usually the day where he has his big press conference and. I haven't been notified of anything, but I assume that's not happening today. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a different press conference later in the day. Promote your website. Where can we find the uh, Hogue online? You can find me two places on 670score.com. I have a college sports blog there. Also, uh, more Wisconsin-based, uh, Wisconsin Badgers-based at Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. So you're a man that's just doing things left and right. Bottom line, just get. We got to get that out there. Oh yeah. 670 the score. Bucky fifth quarter, that's outstanding. So, okay, who replaces Charlie Weiss? Is it Kirk Ferentz? Is it Bob Stoops? Is it Brian Kelly? Is it Butch Davis? Who do you got? Is it Gary Patterson? Well, I'm hearing more and more about Bob Stoops, which surprised me. You know, I I just can't see a guy leaving Oklahoma for a job that over the last 10 years has become something you wouldn't want. I just feel like it's way smarter for a guy. If you're already at a program like Oklahoma, why leave it? to take over a program that's really just been impossible for anyone to win with for whatever reason over the last 10 years. I think Brian Kelly's a smart move. The problem, you know, with Notre Dame is that they go high profile with Charlie Weiss, this hot name from the NFL. They can't do that again. They can't go to the NFL. Um, I, I like what Brian – if you look at Brian Kelly, what he's been able to do with Cincinnati, very quietly, they've won almost – Every year, and we're not just talking, you know, winning seasons. I mean, they're getting to ten wins consistently every year at a program like Cincinnati, and that kind of track record is a little bit more impressive than, you know, some of the other coaches. Every year, there's a hot name because he's gone eleven and one with some mid-major. But you know, if you look at it a couple years before that, well, they were six and seven or seven and six. But what Brian Kelly's been able to do is win consistently every year. I'm okay with that then, a guy like that going to Notre Dame. So you're saying that you would go with the young upstart rather than the proven name. I'll give you the reason why Bob Stoops goes to Notre Dame. It's called about 10 years and $50 million. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that would, I mean, and you can't tell me that Notre Dame can't win. I know they're not the Notre Dame of, you know, when you're growing up and all that type of stuff, but they're still Notre Dame. There's no reason why they can't get talent. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's, it's hard to understand because, they have gotten talent. You know, it's not even like Charlie Weiss wasn't able to get the big recruits. Even this last year, he got that uh, that great middle linebacker who no one can pronounce his name. Uh, and and as bad as that defense is, that kid's having a great year. I mean, and he's going to be phenomenal for at least the next two years and probably not beyond that because he's going to go play in the league on Sundays. So it really doesn't make a lot of sense because the one thing I think about 
I when I looked at this team in August before the season, their schedule was so easy. I thought this team was very overrated. You know, I didn't think they had a prayer of going to a BCS bowl game, but I still pegged them for only three losses because their schedule was so easy. The fact that they're sitting here at six and six is is really embarrassing. But it's even worse when you consider that Jimmy Clausen and Golden Tate went beyond expectations this year. They played great. They were they were really good all season long. And they certainly went beyond my expectations. And so it really just doesn't make sense how they're 6-6, six and six, other than the fact that they didn't play defense and they're poorly coached all year long. Are they really going to go to a bowl game, too? I'm, I'm looking at the bowl projections, and they're supposed to play in the GMAC Bowl on January the 6th. That kind of makes me nauseous, if that's true. Well, it's true. Um, the thing is, is you know, 6-6, six and six, you're still bowl eligible if you have six wins over um, not uh, – FBS teams, you know, and right. those, those, those minor schools that some of these guys play don't really count. But Notre Dame didn't do that. So they're 6-6, they're, six and six, they're eligible, and they're Notre Dame. So, so they're going to go to a bowl game over a 6-6 six and six mid-major. That would be very interesting if they indeed do fire Charlie Weiss, and now they're going to play all the way in January. Who's going to be coaching them? I assume will be one of their coordinators. But their kids can't want to play in that game. It just, look, I understand that they're Notre Dame and they're a draw, but, I mean, if I'm an Irish fan, am I paying to go out to the GMAC Bowl to see this team? I don't think so, but yet I guess they're still going to go. Well, it would certainly be a big draw for the GMAC Bowl. I mean, they're <laughs> pumped up. And actually, I'm looking at the bowl projections, too. If it's really Central Michigan heading to that game, that that would, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but that would actually be a decent matchup. Central Michigan's pretty good, and Notre Dame would be playing for you know whoever their head coach would be in that game. So it would at least be an interesting draw. Uh, GMAC would love it. People would still watch it somehow just because it's still Notre Dame. How do you think the Big Ten does in the bowl season? you got Ohio State going to the Rose Bowl, and these are all projections right now, but Penn State to the Capital One, which, by the way, is a terrible credit card. Don't use them. They will overcharge you. The Outback, that's where your Wisconsin Badgers are supposed to head to. Insight's supposed to get Minnesota. Miami and the Wildcats from the Champ Sports Bowl. The Cats, of course, always not getting what they deserve. I feel like they got to go to the Outback. Let's. Uh, and why can't they get a New Year's Day Bowl? The Cats beat Wisconsin. They did, but their overall record still. Uh, they have an extra loss in there. This so is true. I think, I think that's a big reason. And you know, and as much as I agree with you that Northwestern deserves it, uh, Wisconsin's still the better draw as far as. Traveling, although I mean Northwestern did really do, they did a great job of getting to the the Alamo. Uh, also, another factor that Northwestern can't control is the fact that Wisconsin has been to Orlando four out of the last five years. Mm-hmm. Whether it was the Capital One Bowl or the Champ Sports Bowl last year, it's the same stadium, it's the same city, and quite frankly, I think the the, the Citrus Sports Properties is what owns those two bowls, and they're they're just tired of Wisconsin. So they, they don't want Wisconsin to go to Orlando. I honestly can't see that happening. So they would either end up in the Outback or the Alamo. And the way it turns out, if Iowa gets bumped into a BCS game, uh, the Alamo kind of, I don't even think it's possible then for Wisconsin to end up in San Antonio. And it's kind of like by default, the Badgers end up in Tampa. And it's really nothing that Northwestern can't control. Sticking with Northwestern, it is their own fault, too, that they lost to Syracuse, a game that they... Should never have given away 37-34 nightmare. Do you think that they can beat Miami if that indeed is the matchup? Um, I don't know. 
you know, when I look at Northwestern's schedule going into the Wisconsin game, and I was kind of breaking down that game, I picked the, I picked the Cats to win that game because I think they're playing the best football here at the end of the year. There's no question about that. But overall, when you look at their schedule, other than the win at Iowa, I still think Iowa's completely overrated. Sorry. I know you went there, but. That's okay. The, the, the schedule isn't that impressive. I love what the Cats have done this year, but there's certainly nothing on their track record this year that says that they can beat a Miami team only because it's a completely different style play. You know, it's, it's nothing that they've seen. In, in fact, if there's anything similar to that, it's maybe Syracuse, except the talent is way beyond that. So I think that it would make it kind of a tough matchup for them to win. You think Ohio State takes the Rose Bowl? Uh, I like it. they, they got to be happy that USC's not in there. Yep. But Oregon is still a, a pretty tough team. And one of the things that's starting to happen, and the same thing goes for what I just said about Northwestern, is the Big Ten is getting so bad that it's almost like a mid-major in college basketball breezing through their conference and going, you know, 18-0 and or whatever it is, maybe like Gonzaga does every year, and then they go to the tournament and they all of a sudden they have to play a really good team. That's really starting to happen in the Big Ten. Uh, although Ohio State did play well against Penn State, I think it would be a good matchup. I still think that the Big Ten would have trouble winning it, though. Last one for you. i got about two minutes here, or less, actually. But Florida-Alabama, who do you got? Oh, I you know, I've liked Alabama's defense all year long. Um, and I finally got a chance to sit down and watch Florida this weekend, you know, for a full game. Florida's just that good. Tim Tebow, sometimes you just got to give it to the player. Sometimes a player is really just going to not lose. And I think that his determination, as, as much as he gets overhyped and watching that game on Saturday against Florida State, CBS treated it like a funeral, like he was going to die after the game and they all had to say goodbye to him. It was, it was quite pathetic, actually. But he's that good. I think Florida wins. Adam Hogue, college football expert. You're the man. Appreciate it. All right, Carm. Thanks a lot. You got it. Adam Hogue joining us on Two Guys in a Mic. want to thank him. want to thank Glenn Kozlowski. want to thank Jordan Birdfield. And want to thank Matt Timon, the genius himself, for joining us on this hour affair. Really enjoyed it. Jordan Birdfield, and I think John Cohn is back tomorrow. Yes, he is. Two Guys in a Mic. Check it out on the talkzone.com. Mark Harbin saying we'll see you next time. See you tomorrow.